scale of stupid to village idiot, just where is Chris Smalling? Well, the thing is, it's a complicated question. I mean, in a way, it's not. He made some very, very poor decisions and you could see him instantly regretting them. And uh, Louis van Gaal said that he was humble in the dressing room afterwards. So uh, that's good. At least he was humble in the dressing room afterwards. But man, getting that booking for slowing the counterattack down, you could argue if that was a striker, that would have been quite a sensible thing to do. But given that Smalling's then got to play the whole game against Sergio Aguero, and not bright at all, is it? And then that lunging challenge and the the instant heartbroken look on his face as he realised how stupid he'd been. He was dumb. He was foolish. It was ludicrous. He was naive. He was senseless. It was definitely simple. You could call him thick, but that'd be a bit hard. He was definitely brainless. Half-witted, I think, is another way you could think about it. Uh, I d- you could go on and on. He He's... Um, He's a player who's not progressed at United, and uh, a lot of that is to do with his injury record, which is not good, along with Jones and Evans and Raphael and the others, uh, and now Rojo, unfortunately, injured. But a lot of it's also his game just hasn't developed, has it? And that was one of the more dumb things. To, to be honest, I hadn't really thought of Smalling as a rash player before, but that was a quite ridiculous uh, first to get the booking for trying to slow down the play from the back and then then just to dive in absolutely flew into the player what else did he expect and uh, you know United were under the costume then and especially given that Van Hal had spoken to the team so much about making sure that they kept 11 men on the pitch yeah that's the old football manager when you're asked about the spirit of the game ahead of a derby nowadays one of the options is always our best chance of winning is with 11 people on the pitch that it's the first thing I thought of. Well, quite. Well, you talk about spirit. So I, I guess this is the big positive that comes out of the game, right? United have got some spirit back. That's true. I just wanted to say something about Smalling, though, which is he had a really good game last week. He and did. I, I feel like in the interests of trying desperately not to knee-jerk from one podcast to another, it feels like, yeah, he had a good game last week and actually didn't look that kind of regressive player that he looked again today, so... It's uh, one step forward and then one giant lunge back, isn't it? But yes, sorry, spirit, marvellous spirit. I I mean, I I think it's not like we were plucky underdogs trying to no avail, although that that is actually what happened. I I thought there was some quality to go with the spirit too. Yeah, fair enough. Yes, there was. I mean, I didn't create a lot of chances, but I guess given that uh, more than 50 minutes was played with with 10 men, then uh, you'd kind of expect that. So look, great last 20 minutes from United, took the game to City. This wasn't just about just being plucky and brave. Uh, United were actually on top for most of that time and just for that 20 minutes alone you'd say that uh, United deserved to get something out of the game it wasn't to be uh, in the end but but you know the game is so much more than that you know definitely with Roy Keane on this one I think kind of spirit or fight or work rate or whatever you want to call it and it's all those things I suppose is the absolute minimum you can expect and and by that token of course the players massively let David Moyes down last season this season, they are playing for Van Gaal in a way that they didn't for Moyes. So that spirit is there. And you saw it last weekend when United got that 95th minute equaliser. And you saw it again against City. But frankly, it's not enough. Not enough when you make stupid defensive mistakes and not enough when you don't take your chances. So there's still a gap, quite a gap to the, the top of the Premier League, the best size. Well, yeah, literally there's 13 points. But more than that, there's the, the kind of quality gap as well. And and um, some serious questions are being asked of Van Hal as a result. You know, lots of stats every week now. This is the worst start since 1986. And coincidentally, uh, this is the week uh, in 1986 that Ron Atkinson was sacked. So what you're saying is you think Louis van Gaal should be sacked, Bennett? Is that right? No, I, I'm definitely I'm definitely not saying that. You know, and for all the reasons last week that uh, we were positive and, and said there's a you know, uh, the team is on the up. We feel like we're going down the right path. We so, Somehow we believe that something right is happening, even though they don't get it all right at any point. And, and you know, we think it'll all come together in the end, right? But that's that's taken on faith, right? Because there's, there's not a lot of evidence for it yet. 
I would argue that the faith is based on substantial evidence, actually, in this instance. Like, the thing that's slightly bothering me about the narrative building around United is that somehow the difference between the side this this season and last season, the reason we're prepared to give Van Gaal a chance is because it's clear the team's playing for him. I'm not saying you were saying this at all, by the way, Ed, but that the, the heart and the fighting spirit and all that stuff is, is what's the difference between this season and last season. And if that was the only difference between this season and last season, that would be an improvement but I don't think that would be enough to to generate the amount of optimism that I have about the side that's building because there's just way more quality. Some of the moment-to-moment gameplay has been absolutely brilliant and you're absolutely right, it's not coming together for extended periods of time and that's very problematic. And I think just like you can't blame David Moyes entirely for what happened last season, you certainly can't blame Van Gaal for what's not fully clicking this season because so much of it is about injuries and suspensions you know particularly injuries um and so that's that's a huge factor and and you know it's it's certainly not van gaal's fault that united went down to 10 men today no no it's not and and it's it Possibly not Van Hal's fault that uh, there are so many injuries, although it does start to look systemic after a while, doesn't it? You know, clear, clearly uh, injuries like the one that Rojo got are uh, nothing to do with Van Hal, although you could you could blame the player. He's dived in at speed. You know, it's kind of moronic decision, that one. M- much in the kind of Phil Jones mould of defending and getting yourself injured, wasn't it? You know, and after a while, you, you've got to kind of question whether that really makes a lot of sense if you're going to then miss a load of games as a result so look uh, yeah injuries have played a massive part and are disrupting Van Hal's progress and and you know his three-month calendar is clearly being pushed back and it's an issue but he's got to work out a way of getting his players fit yeah it's, it's just got to you know if it's changes in the training regime or the medical regime or they dig up the pitch or they you know put springs on everyone's feet or wrap them in cotton wool quite literally you know anything has to be done uh, and that's part of his job too yeah absolutely you said we deserved something out of that game we definitely didn't deserve anything out of that game because we should have been about four nil down after i said based on the last 20 yeah. minutes alone <laughs> yeah just, just that caveat there yeah. um because oh so many penalties yeah. What, they should have had 15 penalties that he should have Something had? Something like that. I, I was Some... really, 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 really hoping that United would get a desperately soft penalty in the last minute. Uh, or it would gain off the referee or something like that because Stockport would have just gone nuclear, you know, and uh, that would have been quite sweet. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, do we want to go through them? And the first one, Fellaini on Aguero sort of stamps on his ankle, although I have to say Aguero didn't help himself much because, you know, kicking the back of the leg doesn't necessarily mean you propel yourself forward with arms flailing. <laughs> you know, he's 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 definitely gone down easily there and I don't think that's helped because it looks like a dive and and it's really problematic because the fact that the referee will never give a penalty if he doesn't go down there it makes it really difficult doesn't it because what's he what is he supposed to do in that instance you know well you've got to ask yourself whether Fellaini's kicked him hard enough to actually make him go down right yeah he hasn't uh, so I think that's a half and half. I know all the pundits the uh, two ex Liverpool players and the one ex City player slash director or whatever he became later uh we're never going to see it any other way but i think that was a 50 50 for me the, the the one that was more obvious of course was rojo going through torre he may have got the ball but he he almost cut torre in half trying to get the ball and he was he was very lucky there rojo because he would have he would have seen red too yeah and then the daily blend handball his arm was out at a weird angle fellaini handball i don't think you can give that because it's not fellaini's fault he's made out of 83 percent elbow so pretty much wherever you hit him is going to be his elbow but the blint handball, you couldn't have argued too, too, too much if that was given, I don't think. Yeah. So, I mean, so, <laughs> so harsh, look, the narrative but, of this yeah. game was that, you know, United did all right for half an hour. There was a completely moronic decision by Smalling. And, and then United actually got a lot better and, and took the game City at times. But, you know, created very few chances in the end of which, you you know, it's that's pretty much expected. And given how the game went, uh, were unfortunate not to get something out of it or maybe deserved something out of it, at least half a goal. <laughs> but but all those penalty chances, yeah, you know, City would have would have felt, you know, highly aggrieved if they hadn't won that game, clearly, because uh, 
because they probably should have been a few goals ahead before United actually got into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, it was, you know, the, the the first 10 minutes were really, really good. And I thought actually some of that kind of impetus that we had against Chelsea was definitely carrying on into that game. And there was a there was a point of feeling quite confident about the, the way that game was going. And City's lack of confidence was really telling. And, I, you know, this is not the Manchester City cast, but my goodness, I'd be worried if I was them. <laughs> I was like, considering what we were, we were down to 10 men and one once they went 1-0 up, they just completely capitulated, didn't they? They were really lucky to get out of the game. Only only really Vincent Company doing himself proper full credit, I thought. Yeah, Yaya as well had a, had a decent game. He was man of the match. I'm not, not sure that he was man of the match. I think Company was uh, was probably better, yeah. It, it is worrying because there's there's a, there's more than a hint of what happened under Roberto Mancini when they, after they lost, the last time they tried to defend the title. Um, there appears to be some level of complacency or arrogance there and it's taken a little edge off the team there was quite a lot of nervousness wasn't there last last few minutes and mm. interesting that one because maybe the poor results that have gone against them recently are playing to that as well so Pellegrini's got a job to do there uh, he's not the kind of robust manager you know that the style's not the same as Mancini Mancini wound up a lot of players because they weren't playing for him and I, I'm not sure Pellegrini will do that he'll be a lot more patient but uh, he's got to find an answer I think and mm. maybe this kind of result will propel City forward unfortunately I mean they've certainly got the quality haven't they yeah although it's interesting because having played both City and Chelsea in the last two weeks even though we got a draw with Chelsea and lost to City I still, there's only one of those two teams that looked like they were really competing for the league title this season. I mean, there's a long way to go. There really is. Like, writing the narrative of the league season in November is probably not a great idea because a lot can change. Of course, you know, yeah. Fabregas goes off the boil, Chelsea are going to look a lot different, aren't they? But, but from this moment, it looks like Chelsea will win the league by 10 points. Yeah. And, and you know, and it really does because... They look like an extreme. I mean, they're they're a thin squad, Chelsea, mm-hmm. but they they look like they've got very high quality in all positions. I mean, they're covered in all four defensive positions. They've got a very very fine keeper and a very fine backup keeper. They've finally sort their midfield out, and in and in Fabregas and Matic, they've got two world class performers. Basically, I mean, Fabregas not scoring a lot of goals, but he's got something like ten assists already in the Premier League, which is uh, bonkers. But totally on par with with his record over the last few years, and. And in Diego Costa, when he's fit, they've got a fine striker. And then, then all those kind of little creative players they've got going forward. So very, very strong first eleven, top quality manager. So from this point onwards, uh, you say Chelsea are going to win it by a very long distance. Of course, City have got the better squad and they've got they've got loads of quality there. And if Pellegrini sorts it out, then, um, then City may challenge. United, on the other hand, too many problems, right? Too many problems to even be looking at the top four right now. And, oh. and uh, it's still going to, well, it's going to just do the maths, right? Last week I said it would take 72 to 75. I thought United might get 72 to 75 points. Let's roll that back one, so 69 to 72. Um, that's just on the edge. And that's having a very good season from here on in. So it's, you know, you can say, oh, but you just have to do the math. United are a long way, they're starting a long way behind. So it's going to have to be a very, very fine last six months of the campaign, uh, which, of course, could happen. Yeah. And you say they're starting a long way behind. But really, who are they starting a long way behind in terms of points right now? You know, you're you're absolutely right that the kind of the ultimate points tally that we need to get we look like it's going to have to be a very good season from here on out. But we're currently four points down on Arsenal in fourth place. You, you assume at some point Southampton are just going to plummet, right? I think that's fair to assume. And then the rest of the top three, right? The rest of the top four at the moment is Arsenal, Chelsea and Man City. So you assume all of them are going to are gonna stay in. And if you, if you kind of work on the received wisdom that the only one of the traditional challenges for the top four is, is going to be the team that gets that top four slot and the only really Tottenham are a point ahead of us, Liverpool are a point ahead of us, you know, so fourth spot is extremely achievable, I would say at this point. Still going to take a good amount of points. Yeah. I mean, so, so that narrative says that you, there will be a lower points yeah, yeah, tally. You're right, though. We'll do yeah. it. Right. But, but even if it was the lowest points tally ever to get a Champions League spot, which, which would be like late sixties, right? Uh, I think actually 70 points might be the lowest, Tally ever. I'd have to check that one, but you know, it's, let's let's call it late sixties. Even then, United have to have a season where we win another fifteen games, right? 
something like that right so yeah yeah, yeah. like it, yeah. it's a it's a leap of faith to say the team that is playing now will do that and that leap of faith is associated with the same kind of leap of faith that that allows us to not criticize van Hal based on results alone right that we think there's going to be a progression that united will pick up enough points over time and probably those at home because the attacking players come into play then it's you know the less risk uh, in terms of the defensive side of things, which is not good at the moment, and maybe United had a defender in January and 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 you know go have that kind of season. But from logically, it doesn't look good right now. But you know it's um it's early November. Yeah, absolutely. So can we just have a little chat about some individual performances of uh, United players in in the derby? Angel de Maria, two on the bounce, I would argue, not particularly great. Although he was a key player against Chelsea in the end. So, you know, the kind of overall performance pales into comparison when you actually end up virtually being the match winner. Um, but but another pretty, pretty terrible game today. Yeah, didn't have a good one. I mean, he was shifted around a few different positions, ended up playing a lot of the second half on the right wing, uh, but not a great performance. So, uh, you know, and in some ways with Di Maria, it doesn't matter if he's not going to play that well because... He puts up so many numbers. He's like Nani, but yeah. but better, a lot yeah, better, much much, much al- better. Although, like uh, you say, he's like Nani, and uh, there was a problem today where his corners were like Nani's. He put in two absolutely sumptuous free kicks from wide, but the corners were not of that standard. No, and they've been a little bit like that all season, you know. And there's been a kind of feeling building up that perhaps he shouldn't be taking them. Perhaps you know Van Persie should take them because you know he's he's very high quality from uh, from corners and set pieces but who knows i mean you know he put in a couple of lovely balls didn't he uh, of other set pieces free kicks and and uh, one where fellaini should have scored only had one job mate fellaini and that's to get it on your nonce and score you know, didn't do that very well so um but yeah you're right disappointing performance i thought adnan was bright in the first few minutes but then faded and of course was substituted for carrick in a sort of tactical reshuffle van Persie just looked static didn't he it's another really disappointing performance from him and uh, you know it's just it just wasn't that surprising when he was pulled off for for james wilson and you know when when you're chasing at a derby and you're a goal down and uh, you're substituted for a, a kid who's you know barely played 10 United games and you've got to be a bit worried if you're the star man Blint I thought oh he, he was you know not only risking the red card but he was very passive and it was probably one of his worst games for United Shaw had a lot of difficulties in the game tactically but that wasn't his fault that's because Dean Murray didn't help him out at all and then Rooney by the end who's playing left wing Valencia, well, you know there's a mistake always going to happen, was attracted to the ball for Smalling's red card and got himself in all the wrong position. So the two, both of them had Jekyll and Hyde games or moments uh, through the game. Fellaini uh, put in eight tackles, won six of them, a couple of headers. So very, very sound defensive game. Uh, safe with his passing, he is these days. He, he doesn't take any risks. But then got himself in the wrong position twice for City attacks. And, you know, so kind of praise him and then then have to damn him for that. And then, of course, missed a, a really good, really good opportunity so ruined the uh, attacking side of his uh, stats there. And then Rooney, watching the game on telly, following on social media, and lots and lots of praise for Rooney on social media. And I thought, hang on, you know, I know I, know I, I may have a critical mindset for Rooney, so am I seeing the right game here? Because I just didn't think he was that good. I know he sprinted around and made a couple of tackles. He also just stood still while City piled past him on a couple of occasions. So I went and checked the stats because I thought, I just didn't think he had that good a game, you know. So 75% pass completion. Yeah, that's a bit mere, isn't it? 45% in the attacking third. So when it really mattered, he gave the ball away. No shots. Obviously, none on target and no assist. Did make two chances for United, although they weren't good ones. So, you know, the stats don't look good. And then you look at the defensive side. He made three tackles and that's where he was chasing back. And, uh, you know, it's this thing we've talked about with Rooney before where he... Gets lots of praise for doing that. And I finished, and that was about a 10-minute monologue. It was good, though. I, I found it all interesting. It's just that there was a there was a couple of counterpoints I wanted to make. I really disagree with your assessment of Daily Blint. I don't think he had a particularly passive game. I thought it was actually 
quite influential for United. His, if you look at his numbers, his numbers were pretty spectacular, or, or at least, let's say, solid, like very, very solid with his passing, but also very involved defensively. Three out of his four tackles clearances headed clearances you know what I mean it was it was I think to call it passive is is to do him a bit of an injustice really Valencia yeah no question not a right back very interesting if you look at his numbers amongst the best of United's defenders in terms of his uh, defensive actions in the game but that is just a really poor way of measuring defensive quality isn't it the number of sort of tackles and all that sort of stuff is it's only a very specific use it's much, as we've always said it's much harder to analyse defenders statistically than it is to analyse forward players. I mean, we criticise Rooney for his pass completion. Angel Di Maria with a 65% pass completion. Super, super wasteful today. And and yeah, there is that thing of like you you give him a pass because one of those, only one of those passes needs to be magical, doesn't it? But we can't use it as a stick to beat Rooney with and then just let the players we like off <laughs> much as I'd like to do that. Well, 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 we can because they're playing, you know, Rooney, Rooney played... 50 minutes in central midfield. Right? Yeah, so yeah, sure. giving the ball away all the time is not good enough. <laughs> no, the way he gave the ball away was immensely frustrating. This was the thing I didn't quite understand. Like, first of all, shout out to Fino76. I don't know if we've already hit your Rooney criticism bingo card. If it's already full by this time, if you've got house, we don't know exactly what the terms of that are. No, 25 minutes into the podcast, mate. I think <laughs> I think this is pretty good. You've never even been tame here. Um, I want to say something brilliant about Rooney, which was that my very favourite moment in this game was something Rooney did. That run with the ball yeah. where he rolled back the years and it was like, you know, a heart caught in my chest. It was just a beautiful moment of footballing brilliance of the kind we rarely see from Rooney. And it was... Till he ran out of steam. <laughs> he didn't run out of steam. He got tackled and he managed to get the ball to Van Persie and, and Van Persie got it to Di Maria, I think, who, whose shot was was pretty decent. But yeah, lovely, a lovely moment that. It, it, it was very, it was a lovely moment because uh, he beat a couple of players. Although, <laughs> just, and, and I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, just got to just add one little caveat. It's not criticism. He runs in a dead straight line. Just <laughs> dead does. straight. Uh, one, to, one to ten defender basically tackles <laughs> over the top of him. Uh, and then he makes uh, yeah, company. Yeah, but that right? bit was so, the best bit, right? Um, it was that bit that was the good that, bit. That was, yeah. It was great. And it great. Rolled back the years, but he did run <laughs> in a dead straight line. So the thing that really bothered me about Rooney was the relentless Hollywood balls very specifically out to the right wing. Because I pretty sure I've checked the uh, little arrows and they're all red <laughs> like not a single one of the Hollywood balls to the right wing worked I don't know if that was something that was identified but he tried it over and over and over again and it worked I, I don't know what look, I, you know I'm sick of this Rooney bashing the two things we need uh, and that we're going to win United the game uh, was Rooney screaming at his, his teammates and then Rooney whacking a Hollywood ball 15 yards over his teammates head yeah clearly that was going to do the thing for United the thing is he didn't I don't believe that he had a bad game I want to say that like you know he did some stuff well and I wasn't like I, I wasn't kind of watching it going I wish Rooney wasn't here except in sort of general spirit terms but if you think that that is like oh yeah that's exactly what we've been missing then then I we're just watching a different game but in the interest of balance you see very often you see this oh he would never go at Van Persie in the same way and like you said last week that he was dog poor I didn't think he was dog poor last week this week I thought he was dog poor you know uh, there was just one moment right near before he came off where he beat a player and shot from the near post and that was pretty pretty good but the rest of it it was good he was treading water though while doing it wasn't he I mean it was like he was going in slow motion <laughs> 18 touches yeah for a player that lasted what 72 minutes so I think it's the lack of movement that's doing it right I, I think he's just not as mobile yeah. as he once was uh, is that age is that fitness is that what is it is it tactical um, maybe it's a, a bit of all of them uh, but it's not working for him right now and it, this is worrying right so Van Hal does not see Rooney as a number nine. Falcao cannot stay fit. There's something up with Van Persie. So who's Welbeck's banging them in for fun at Arsenal? You know, sadly, well, ish, well, ish, sort um, of. Uh, and so you know, it's 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 a problem for United because actually, as much as United's defence has been a mess, you know, they're not actually scoring that many goals or converting or sorry, not converting a high number or high percentage of chances. No, absolutely. And, you know, look at where all our last few goals have come from. Van Persie got one, but then the two in the game before that, it was two midfielders, you know. So it's it's definitely not... It's definitely 
in the microcosm in the last sort of few games definitely not exactly been clicking up front I think that game was a game where it was such a shame that we had to use up all our uh, substitutions for defensive stuff because it would have been brilliant for Juan Mata to come in at 70 minutes in that game when City were kind of quivering and there was loads of space available and he could have done something with that space I think that was a shame Yes, yes. Although, you know, it's um, it's difficult to see where we go with matter from here, isn't it? You know, as we said, I mean, it, it really doesn't matter how poor Rooney is or, or how, you know, it certainly wasn't poor today, Rooney. It certainly wasn't brilliant either. So um, he's just not influential on games anymore, Rooney. And uh, but it's impossible to see Matter get into the side ahead of him. Uh, and in any formation that Van Gaal plays, it's hard to see Rooney and Matter playing in the same side. Unless unless Rooney moves to number 10 and Van Gaal has pretty much said that's not going to happen. Sorry, number 9. Van Gaal has pretty much said that's not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing, having sort of somewhat, almost slightly dismissed the kind of heart and spirit thing, because as you... You say it's the bare minimum we should expect or it's the bare minimum Roy Keane should expect. There is something very, very heartening to see how much belief and and, and preparedness to go for it there is in the United ranks. And City were really scared by the end of that game. And actually, I think company really pulled them through the end of that game. I suspect that there's that there's a kind of media narrative building which is very convenient because it's united and blah 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 i really strongly suspect that other teams in the league are probably looking at united going ah, i don't like what's going on there uh, uh, this is like oh they're going to be back aren't they that's my that's my guess that's what other footballers would be thinking looking at it but perhaps not um but yeah that's my suspicion mm. I suspect that's a fan's point of view, in all honesty. And I think it's the thing we said about, we think the path that United is on is is an upward one and that, that we think it's going to lead to something good. Objectively, it's it's hard to say that it's suddenly going to click. There are so many problems, you know. And and, and the, two, the two ones that are just standing out at the moment are United's ability to create and then convert chances. Today, like uh, just over 50% of passes in the final third uh, were completed right and it, it's just one stat and but it just tells you something about you know how how poor united's conversion of attacking situations is at the moment um and then the other one is defensively it's just a horror show whatever uh, i think there's 13 different combinations they've used in central defense this season uh, and it's a horror show all the time so th- those are the two reasons why other teams won't be looking at United going I don't like what's happening there they'll be looking at them going I like this very much you know we believe that very shortly it's all going to click yeah we hope as well yeah I I, I I hear what you're saying but I'm I think the building positives outweigh the uh, uh, still existing negatives because there's no way that defensive situation isn't going to be sorted out and there's lots of kind of things to click into place and there's been times when it really has clicked into place on the attacking side of it too uh, interestingly enough if I had to pick United's best centre-back pairing out of the 156 centre-back pairings we'd have I'm pretty sure it was Rocco and McNair in their, in their little two-game run together that, that was probably United's best centre well let's talk about McNair again today another composed performance I mean it's not just because he's a kid and I think all of us as United fans feel predisposed to have positive feelings about the the youth players and, you know, because of the history and all that. But if he was 29, not 19, you'd say another composed performance. So yeah. uh, he, he's certainly playing his way into contention. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a ton of questions which relate to the City game. So we're gonna, uh, we shall segue into Rankcast questions via the medium of a few in a row uh, about the City game. At MJC underscore Yo says, when does heart and fighting spirit stop being enough and we have to start looking at points and table position? And, and, and I think... Right now? Yeah, I think if it was just heart and fighting spirit that an improved I wouldn't be so optimistic about this but I think that the quality has improved also there's been as I said earlier moments of beautiful quality this season but also yeah we got to start getting some points I like the fact that we're playing Crystal Palace at home next that feels like not that we could take it for granted but that feels like good news to me I don't know Mm. so uh if if uh if Sunderland get points against Palace on Monday night and Palace beat us, United will be a point off the relegation zone. 
Oh, no, I can't handle that. I just can't handle the dominant narratives that will exist. I don't actually mind the reality of it. It's just people talking about it that I won't be able to live with. Interesting question from at Kononov, who says, are you guys worried that adding one or two more centre-backs, although highly necessary, might add more confusion and uncertainty? And I think, as you just referenced, there is a a big factor here. I don't think the, the key problem is a lack of quality players. I think the key problem is a lack of consistent partnerships amongst our players and we just need centre-backs not made out of biscuits right yeah and uh, the crumbly kind of biscuit as well you know not, not some of those double hard triple bait ones it's soft on the centre and soft on the outside and falling to pieces uh, so like a, a hobnob that's been left in the tin too long well quite or, or one well you know when you get a packet of biscuits home and they're all smashed to pieces and they looked okay on the outside that's United's defence you know smalling You'd think he's a good player. Phil Jones, you'd think he's a good player. Johnny Evans, you'd think he's a good player. All crumbling to pieces. In all seriousness, you can't trust any of them. (laughs) And history tells us you cannot. You can't, right? History tells us you cannot trust them to be consistent, to make the right decisions every week, or to be fit every week. Raphael, Smalling, Evans, Jones. None of them. And this is not that I think individually they're bad players or I want to slag them off for, for any particular reason. I have any kind of agenda here. Raphael is a fit about 50% of the time, injured again today. Jones about the same. Smalling slightly better, but, you know, he has all sorts of other problems. And Evans always looks like he's got an error in him when he's fit and he's not very often fit. So aside from that, United have a guy playing his first season in English football, a 19-year-old left-back who's still come to terms with being a United player, uh, and McNair and Blackett, who between them have played about 10 games. Yeah, I just laughed because when you said you can't trust any of them, it just sounded like you were talking about, I don't know, that you'd just been hurt in previous relationships with central defenders. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, There was a very funny thing in uh, the papers, I think it was Mark Ogden, who was like slagging off United's defenders last week and saying, you know, there's no central defensive axis. They're all too injury prone. United have always had great defensive axis in the past. And he cited um, Stam and Ronnie Johnson. It's like, yeah, they were a great partnership, but you cannot use that as an example of not injured defenders. <laughs> Ronnie Johnson, one of the world's most injured defenders. Anyway. Yeah, he played through it though. Tough as nails, that guy. Uh, <laughs> he didn't play like, well. Could... He also, a lot of the time, didn't play. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Fair, fair, absolutely fair enough. A fine central defensive oh, yeah. partnership. I mean, yeah, of course, you know, you can have a very rose-tinted view, of course, about United's history of central defensive partnerships. You know, Stam and Janssen, Bruce and Pallister, Vidic and Ferdinand. It's fantastic. And, of course, it's not the full truth. Whatever the truth of that, uh, and, uh, you know, there's some nostalgia in Ogden's piece... United need a Stam and Janssen, a Vidic and Ferdinand or a Palestine and Bruce right now. And they need to be playing most weeks and they need some understanding and they need to be fit and they need to be solid. And none of that is true. And pick any combination you like right now and you have no guarantees. None that they'll be fit, none that they won't make mistakes, none that they'll be mature enough, uh, none that they won't give a goals away. It doesn't matter, any of them. And this is a real problem because, you know, United have a lot of defenders there and Van Gaal can't trust any of them. Because he's been hurt by central defenders before. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> what is this, a, some kind of Taylor Swift song? You know, be singing about our boyfriends next. <laughs> Uh, uh, we are never ever having new defenders. Yeah, quite. Muzo cast. I really want to blame Rooney for the loss against City. Any tips as how I might do that? I think we can help you out there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, centre midfield. Centre midfielder is a is a one who believes that Rooney gets a little bit too much uh, criticism, and that certainly may be the case. But I think we gave you plenty of reasons why, if not to blame, at least you could take the shine off his performance. Because it wasn't that shiny, effectively. We're not taking the shine off his performance. We're reflecting the actual level of shine on his performance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, was there, says at Malin83, for the briefest of moments, a run from Rooney of old? Perhaps one game in four is the perfect way to play him. Yeah, well, wow. (laughs) That's kind of cutting. Um, Well, as I said, it was almost a run from Rooney of old. He did walk in a straight line. And I say walk because it was barely faster than a walk. While we're on 
people i kind of feel slightly vindicated by the fact that the people that are atting us are not just the people telling us we're too hard on rooney please know that some of this is a bit tongue-in-cheek too but anyway at the dodo with a three instead of an e in the the says rooney shouts at his teammates when they make mistakes fair point but who is supposed to do it when he gives the ball away the first two minutes of that game i sent you a text message saying is it too soon to take rooney off because he not only gave the ball away but he gave the ball away sideways passing in his own half to players in really dangerous positions he improved after that it should be said mm, i had a I had an ongoing twitter conversation with nick miller from the guardian who said he was counting the number of times rooney fluffs a simple pass yeah uh, and uh, the thing i was wondering about that is is when he tries to trap it and it bounces 10 yards off his foot does that count as a simple pass or is that just a miscontrol he's quite good at football and he had quite a good game feel important to say that um at at dogs go boom says is that font that the premier league demand for shirt names and numbers getting a bit tired it's a good point but i don't want them to go the full comic sans that real madrid went like they won the 10th european cup last season which is an incredible achievement but for me massively cheapened by the font they wrote their names in yeah there's a website i think it's called hate comic sans or something along those lines which uh which lists all the inappropriate uses of Comic Sans. The only acceptable use of Comic Sans is in a children's book. It's the only acceptable use. Uh, there's there's one uh, classic one on that website, which is a letter saying, your child's got cancer uh, in Comic Sans. I was like, oh, jeez. That's not jeez. good. <laughs> yeah, um, but football shirts, not acceptable. And, and uh, yeah, standardisation of football kits. Like, you know, this is digression, isn't it, from the from the game. But standardisation of football kits is happening anyway, right? So... That all the manufacturers want their brand to be associated with the kit. So all the Adidas kits look the same in some way. And so all the Nike ones do. And so all the Warrior ones and whatever else, you know, nonsense kit manufacturer does. You know, and it's going to happen next year. United will have a obviously Adidas Which kit. Which is kind of like, if you've got to pick one of them, that's the one you want to pick. Isn't it? <laughs> Out of all the really obvious kits, I'd, I'll have an obvious Adidas kit, please. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're pretty cool, but, but it could be any team. Yeah. That's the point, you know. They're being made generic and homogenous, and it's uh, it's a shame. But that's that is football in the twenty first century. So, um, <laughs> at world is red says come up with at least five positives from the last two games. I'm pretty sure we must have done that if you go back and look at the games. I want to say uh, a slightly improved performance from Rooney today. That that's definitely a positive. Um, Fellaini. Both games overall, you've got to mark that as a positive. De Gea. Again, superb. That's big positive because actually he was having quite a ropey season until that game against Everton and it has kick-started him in the way that save at 3-all from Juan Mata's free kick against Chelsea did. Uh, that's three big positives. Hmm. Oh yeah, I like Daily Blind. You you might not count that, Ed, but I, I would still count Daily Blind as a big positive. And Luke Shaw's performance today was a real strong positive, I thought. I thought he was really excellent, possibly United's man of the match. Hmm. He was all right. He, I think he was not helped by the lack of any kind of cover whatsoever. So yeah. No, but he did very well considering that situation. I thought, that, you know, there were very few times when you're looking at what Luke Shaw actually did and think he did that wrong or badly. And then the second question from At World is Red. Remember the last time you did a smalling, two very stupid things within the space of 20 minutes? I've definitely had plenty of times in my life where I've done really stupid things twice in the course of 20 minutes. I'm sure you could you could just listen back to some <laughs> rank cast and there'd be plenty of stupidity in there. No, no problem at all. But, but the thing is, sadly, we don't get paid £75,000 a week to do this podcast. No, that's true. Uh, it is true. But, you know, it's that old thing in it where it's like, yep, he shouldn't have done it. That that was really unfortunate. And probably it speaks to something fundamentally flawed in his makeup to be a very top level defender. But at the same time, everybody does make mistakes. It's just about whether it becomes a pattern. And actually, if you look at Smalling's errors in the past, he, he, he they're not normally based on rashness. And I, I don't think he's ever got sent off for United before. So No, no. And, and that's what I said before. I actually don't think he's uh, that kind of rash player. Typically, you know, there, there are many faults this morning's game, passing being the major one and injuries being the other. But defensively, he's always been pretty sound, in, in my opinion. You know, others may not agree with that. But, you know, the distribution is a major flaw when you're at a top club. 
and the fact that he can't get fit either is a problem. But um, not normally that rash. It was just mind-blowingly stupid. Yeah, it was really unfortunate. Yeah. And, and you know, you can extrapolate and go, should he ever play for United again? All that kind of nonsense that you hear. And, and clearly that's that's nonsense. We've had a lot of rank cast um, questions with asking that very I, I'm thing. sure. I... Didn't even look at them, but, you know, it's predictable. But um, it's uh, that that's clearly not the case. He will play for United again. I'm sure that Van Gaal not be that, pleasant to him you know he, he called him stupid in his press conference or called his action stupid uh, same difference really and Smalling will pay a price because he'll be out of the team next week at Utkash243 says do you think we're missing Welbeck now RVP's pace seems to have deserted him I genuinely like all my Welbeck love aside my Welbeck love was always based on what I thought he could be and although you know he's not on total fire at Arsenal, he scored plenty enough goals to justify a, a decent transfer fee. And, and I think it was a pretty big mistake to get rid of him. And it's looking even more of a mistake now, given what Van Persie's going through. So, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, the question is, is Van Persie ever going to get back to his normal self again? You know, because right now it does not look like it. It's such a big question, that is. because And, and it's so unclear what the answer is, except that, you know, the balance of evidence would suggest that it doesn't look very likely that he will, because why would he? You know, decline doesn't, you know, it doesn't normally go the other way after a certain age, does it? And unless he is carrying some sort of injury that we're not aware of, or there's some problem beyond just getting a bit older that's interfering with his fitness, I, I don't know how you... Because it's not just that he's in bad form, right? It's the way he's in bad form. Yeah. As you say, he's become so immobile and... and it's just, it's really confusing unless the problem is terminal decline. And of course, we we hope that's not the case. No, no. And I'm well back. He's scored five this season, which is more than any United player. So, yeah. you know, it just gives you a benchmark, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. At Lancet 21 says, will it be McNair and Blackett next week? Yeah, probably, right? I can't think of, like, Jonesy ain't going to be back from shin splints. Smalling's suspended. Rocco's injured. Crackered himself. Evans uh, isn't. Johnny Evans not is right. still not yep. fit. So yep. it could it could be McNair and Blackett or, or Carrick could play there. I mean, it was tough on Carrick to ask him after months out. I haven't played since April uh, to gain central defence and he did fine. You know, and he did, yeah, all right. You know, he's he's kind of a, a, a kind of player that uh, Louis Van Gaal would like in the centre of defence. You know, and, and it's fine when you've got the ball all the time. United don't have the ball all the time. Maybe against Palace that will be fine. Uh, so it could be McNair and Blackett, or it could be Carrick and one. I feel like you say he's the kind of player that Van Gaal would like at central defence. I think maybe in a three. I don't think Van Gaal's going to want Carrick in the central defence partnership because he's so bad at the defending bit of it not his fault he's not a defender so it's you can't just transition from position to position like that can you but the back four at one point Valencia Carrick McNair and Shaw that was terrifying but didn't concede any goals oh yeah they did they did they conceded one didn't they yes they Um, did concede the one but um it's you know one being uh not too bad for that quartet all right final rank cast question of the week goes to the honor of that goes to at ben glorious who says i made some night vision goggles out of carrots but they don't work what idiot claim they help you see in the dark yeah you see that's the thing they help you see in the dark in a different way see it's all to do with vitamin a apparently don't make night vision goggles out of carrots. Yeah, sound, sound advice. It's like yeah. making central defenders out of biscuits. It's just a terrible idea. And talking of sound advice, what advice would you give to Louis van Gaal ahead of uh, the massive must-win clash with fellow relegation strugglers Crystal Palace? Yes, yeah, six-pointer this one, isn't it? Jeez, uh, it could, really could be. Really could be. Uh <laughs> I was just I was doing the maths looking at Sunderland playing Palace on Monday night Palace being oh dear oh this is not good so United will beat Palace at Old Trafford next weekend surely and and the thing is to patch up the defence try and get four players out there that's acceptable and try and work on some kind of combination in the attacking areas is going to help United convert chances or possession into chances and chances into goals you know because it's not happening often enough given the problems United have in the back four He's got some big decisions to make. Clearly, Rooney will play at number 10. Uh, is Falcao fit enough to start? Does he persist with Van Persie and Van Persie's terrible form? 
does he go you know go big or go home and play Wilson from the start he could do uh, don't really see it uh, how can he get the best out of his uh, attacking players and Yanazai and Di Maria start the third game in a row do they start again so lots and lots and lots of questions for Van Gaal to sort out um, but United desperately need a win and a big one at that yeah I mean I would take a win <laughs> like a big one would be great but you know it's interesting because in a way uh, although our defence on paper looks so much more dysfunctional now in our attack, the point you made earlier is is well taken because not only do we need to get it together defensively, but we desperately need to get it together in an attacking capacity in that game because we should be able to. Uh, we've been much better at home than we've been away. Crystal Palace's record this season is... Uh, problematic they got a a really good win against Everton right in September and then they they beat Leicester and it looked like it was all going to be fine for Neil Warnock but they've not they've not won since although they did get a a 2-2 draw at the Hawthorns last weekend which as everyone knows is the best possible result that any human team can get at the Hawthorns absolutely yeah I mean you know Palace are pretty much where you'd expect them to be really it's par for the course for that team they don't spend an awful lot of money. Warnock has changed the playing style a little bit. They are a, a bit more direct. You know, just look at the numbers. They do launch it a little bit more. And uh, he's, you know, he's a practical, pragmatic manager, isn't he, Warnock? And, you know, you know the way his teams play. They will give United a game. You know, they, they are not going to hog the ball and uh, attack United from the start. They will be solid defensively and they'll be slightly direct and they'll try and create chances with a speedy front end. That's what they'll do. Yeah, absolutely. And and I suspect they will succeed in creating some chances with their speedy front men. So we have to make sure that our front men do good magic things that they're capable of doing because there's so much talent in the United side. I would very much like to see Juan Mata play again in this game in some form, which I think might well be possible uh, if Van Persie is finally rested or something you know because yeah you're right Rooney will definitely play unless he picks up some sort of knock I'd be lovely if Falcao was back because I I think he will add so much to our front line Uh, at Craig English 92 on Twitter describing Falcao as his favourite ever United player not to have completed 90 minutes for the club (laughs) very much how I feel about Falcao too yeah interesting Uh, of course Zaha won't be able to play so that'll be one speedy front man not not in the game for Palace Uh, Shamak not a speedy front man uh, but but he's uh, he's the pivot around uh, which the team kind of revolves Zaha's been alright for Palace this season but he's not you know he's not blowing them away is he it's uh uh, you you kind of wonder whose whose game has gone backwards faster, Wilfred Zaha's or Tom Ince's? Tom Ince has gone on loan to Nottingham Forest from Hull City after this summer turning down a move to Inter Milan. It's pretty remarkable, isn't it? It's a pretty remarkable trajectory. And you know, like he's a young player. I'd like to see him. It's always a bit sad, I think, when when that sort of thing happens. It's, it'd be nice to see him rebuild uh, and sometimes that works doesn't it dropping down the level getting your confidence back I think Zahar's definitely looking a little bit more confident but that seat basically having a season out was the last thing he needed wasn't it for for his development yeah uh, it, yeah completely yes it was um you know it's, it's proven to be a disaster for him um I think Phil Neville you know it's, it's one of the things that everyone knew that he was he just didn't have this big team mentality he came to United a bit cocky uh, didn't want to graft in the way didn't really understand what the club was all about didn't understand the meaning of professionalism at United turned up late for a few training sessions and all, all that kind of stuff and Phil Neville summed it up on match of the day a few weeks ago when he said you know he's just not a big club player which kind of suggests that um, he will never get a chance at United again uh, he's got to take his chance at Palace and make sure he he remains a Premier League player Tom Ince you know, great talented player, really good attacking player. Was brilliant at at Blackpool. Had uh, you know lots and lots of rumours that Liverpool wanted to buy him. Blackpool wouldn't budge. Uh, ran out of contract and decided to make this move to Hull, presumably thinking that he'd get a game every week and it would be a platform for him to do bigger and better things rather than being a squad player elsewhere. And it's just not worked out for him. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully it will work out for Manchester United against Crystal Palace, and I think. I strongly suspect that even after everything, both of us will be ending up predicting a win. Flashing forward to the week after, very briefly, and we play Arsenal, uh, we're very much hoping to get a podcast out between now and then. There's a, a small chance that the logistics won't stack up, um, but but hopefully we will do. But just in case we don't, a very brief word about that game. Lots of people are sort of worried about that, but it feels to me, even though they've they've put some decent performances together... 
going to play Arsenal at the Emirates is not exactly like going to the Etihad, is it? They're, they're not quite the same proposition. No, uh, and they're inconsistent this season. Um, you know, what are they, four points ahead of United at this point? They lots and lots of talented players that haven't quite put it together. It's it's Arsenal at the Emirates though, and this is United conceding goals when we don't need to. So uh, it's definitely not a great fixture for United at this point. I, I feel like we 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 do all right, don't we, at the Emirates though? Like there's we've got plenty of evidence which suggests that even when things are not great for us. Moy's got a draw at the Emirates last season. Well, there you go. We'll, was... we'll get a podcast out and we'll do a fuller. Full preview of Arsenal, even if it's uh, later next week. You said um, you said that our our looking at Van Gaal is based on faith rather than evidence, and I think that has more evidence in it than what you just said about us getting out a podcast next week. But I hope you're right. Let's let's be men of faith and and assume it will get done. Yeah, no, why wouldn't it? There's um, in between. It's a massive game for United against Palace. Massive because. You cannot make the assumption that United will definitely go to the Emirates and win or even get anything, right? So if somehow United don't ruin it on Saturday by putting in a terrible performance and not winning against Palace, then we go to Arsenal under massive pressure. I mean, enough pressure as it is given the situation in the league table. But just imagine United don't get three points against Palace. You know, be close to the relegation zone, whatever the stack of results in between now and then. Um, and having to go to Arsenal and we'll have to get something. So, you know, and, and of course, Danny Welbeck will score the winner because it's guaranteed. Mitigating circumstances aside, it would be extremely problematic in November for Van Gaal to be losing against Crystal Palace at home. That that would genuinely be a pretty big dent because I I think it's very we're all disappointed it's the derby it has all the significance that's associated with that especially if you work with City fans you know that just makes it all the worse um, as so many of us do I do Um, and if you especially like uh, Manchester Reds but even those of us who are not Manchester Reds end up working with City fans it's weird how that seems to happen but yeah although it's the derby that the loss is is one of sort of disappointment that we lost the derby rather than it's the end of the world dropping those points but Crystal Palace that is it's just so vital I would argue that it's our most important game of the season so far pretty much agree with you actually just given the narrative of the season today United have to win I I do suspect Uh, you said earlier uh, we hope that United beat Palace Uh, a bit moisy in that one I'm hoping we make it hard for them to beat us. We'll try. We will definitely try to beat Palace. Very good. Well, I'm going to predict a 3-1 win for United. I'm going to predict a 4-0 win for United. Nil. There wow. you go. Big stuff. Big, big words there from the Ansorge. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Falcao hat-trick. Uh, he's not even a play. I don't know why I'm predicting a 4-0 win. Actually, I think we'll scrape a spawny 2-1. But 4-0, Falcao hat-trick. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Good stuff. Well, um, in the meantime, if you want to get me, I'm at United Rant on Twitter. Paul is at UTU Rantcast. He's on, also on Bleacher Report. What's your top 10 this week, Paul? Uh, i got to do, who is the player most under pressure at uh, Manchester United following the defeat to Manchester City. <laughs> Not a difficult one to choose. Uh, that's his second go-round at player most under pressure. First one was in a game he didn't even play in. Poor old Chris Smalling. Very good. Oh, actually, no, I've got a really good list coming out this week, uh, but I can't tell you what it is in advance, but it's it's a, it's a big list and it's really fun. So uh, it'll be... It's a barnstormer. 50 reasons why we should sack Van Hal. Is that it? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a, it's a nice positive piece that I'll very much enjoy doing and I think uh, people will certainly get a kick out of reading. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who took the time to rate us and review us on iTunes. It sent us spinning back into the top 20 and maybe even higher. I didn't check it again and we were right up there in the what's hot charts on the iTunes sports podcast so if you didn't take the time to do a review last week and you have got a spare five minutes this week that'd be much appreciated because it gives the show a ton of visibility on iTunes because iTunes is weird but thank you very much to those who did it especially those of you who took the time to write some really kind words it's much appreciated very good Okay, well, uh, in the meantime, have a great week. Let's hope United pull out a big win against Crystal Palace. Uh, Otherwise, we'll be crying into our very late podcast next week. Until then, see you.